I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. I'm gonna sing like a butterfly and sing like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. What's up, Chaos Family? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Cerebral Chaos. I am your gracious host, Docella. Glad to be back in the saddle with you. I uh, hope you had a great week, and I hope the week upcoming is even better than the last one. Quote of the week for this week is going to come from Mr. Oscar Wilde. It's going to be short and simple this week. The quote says, Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Short, sweet, to the point. Don't try to be anybody else. Don't try to compete with anybody else. Just be your authentic self. Nobody else can be it for you. You need to try to be your authentic self 100%. And that's it. Don't worry about anything else. Don't try to compete with anybody else. Like I said, don't try to be anybody else. Be your true, authentic self, and you'll be the best. You'll be the happiest. You'll be in the best mental space if you just focus on yourself and be yourself. That's it. Short, sweet, to the point this week. First off, want to send all my condolences and prayers out to anyone affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, I wasn't able to do that on the last couple episodes because they were pre-recorded. So I want to take the opportunity to do that today. Anybody that's been affected by Hurricane Ian, anybody that knows anybody that's been affected by Hurricane Ian, uh, we live down here in the Gulf Coast, and that's unfortunately something we deal with way too much. I was indirectly impacted by Hurricane Katrina, and I lived through Hurricane Sandy. Um, it's not something that is fun. It's scary. Um, I can't imagine what the families and people have gone through that have lost everything, lost their homes. Hopefully they take solace in still being alive if they are. I know that's not a lot, but if, you, if you're still alive and breathing, um, homes can be repaired and fixed. It's not the greatest process, but we like to have people here instead of not here. So I want to send all my shouts out and all my prayers and condolences from Cerebral Chaos. We are in prayers with you. Prayers out to everybody and Hope everybody gets through it. And uh, usually in times like this is a, is another good thing. And I said this to my wife. It, it takes sometimes tragedies for us to come together and show how great we can be as a human race. I don't like that it's that way. You know, we have to have tragedies and things of massive nature and scale to happen in order for us to realize we can actually treat people nice. We can treat each other nice. We can be nice to each other. And the world can actually be an amazing place if we just did that 24-7. But I digress. Um, I'm going to get off my soapbox on that. That's going to be for another day. Thankful for everybody that's continued to listen to Cerebral Chaos. We're almost here at the end of Season 2. So this episode, one more, and we're going to take another break and get ready for Season 3. So let's get into it. So today, we're going to take a deep analysis into somebody um, I've always revered. 
one of my favorite comic book characters, if you don't know, uh, Batman or Bruce Wayne, as he's better known. We'll get into a little bit more of what we want to talk about with that guy today. But first off, we're just going to give you a brief intro for anybody that doesn't know who Batman is. I never want to assume everybody understands everything I'm saying. So I want to lay the groundwork if you never heard of Batman or Bruce Wayne or you're not that into comics. I want to lay the groundwork on how this is all going to work together today. And we're going to look at Batman on the couch. We're going to look at his psyche. We're going to look at what's really going on inside of that head. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Batman or the character Bruce Wayne was created in 1939 in Detective Comics by Bob Kang and Bill Finger. Um, he's arguably the greatest comic book character created. Um, arguably the most popular. My favorite as well. I'm a big Spider-Man fan as well. A couple other people. I really like uh, Wolverine, um, Spawn, you know, and a few others. But I would say Batman is my favorite comic book character, um, without a doubt. He's very, very popular. And I think a lot of that has to do with Number one, Batman being human. So unlike most other superheroes or most other heroes that we see in the comics, Batman does not have any superpowers, which means he's just a regular human being like you and I. He puts on a costume uh, and becomes Batman, but he does not have any extraterrestrial powers. He's not an alien. He hadn't had a supercharged gamma explosion like the Hulk or, you know, any of that. He's just a human with a costume on and gadgets, basically. So Bruce Wayne has gone through this character framework, which usually is called the hero's journey, which means there's a call to adventure, a crossing of a threshold, the road of trials, the abyss, metamorphosis, the ultimate boom, and the return. So basically, to put this in layman's terms, uh, there's always something, a tragic event that usually happens to these superheroes that forces the hands of time or changes them into the heroes that they become. Now, usually out of that darkness, they come out. But in the end, they usually come back to whatever that thing is. It's kind of a revolving circle. So think about this hero's journey as a wheel or as a circle where it always comes back around to the beginning. So I'll talk about that a little bit more in depth uh, in a minute, but just want to kind of lay out what a hero's framework is because we see that in every superhero. Now, taking Bruce, let's just take Bruce Wayne here for a minute. So Bruce Wayne is the son of wealthy, uh, influential parents, uh, Martha and Thomas Wayne. Um, Martha and Thomas Wayne are a depiction of the human spirit, their depiction of having the right intentions, but not always having the best uh, fall through or the best game plan to get through those intentions. I truly believe that Batman's parents, Thomas and Martha Wayne, are good people, were good people. So uh, Batman's family is very rich, uh, have a lot of influential buildings in the city. They're pretty much a pioneer for Gotham City. So anything that happens in Gotham City, especially in buildings, architecture and structure, government, a lot of stuff, it runs through the Wayne family uh, because of their wealth and uh, ability to help on such a large scale with the money that they have. So they kind of run, in a sense, 
a part of Gotham City, which is good and bad. But let's just I'm going to try to stick to giving you a background here. So uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne birthed Bruce and we see Bruce Wayne's coming into darkness and coming out of darkness. So there's different iterations of how this happens in the comic books and in movies. But Batman's parents are murdered when he's a young kid. Um, I don't know the exact age. I think it kind of varies depending on which story you hear. But I say preteen age, Batman's parents are murdered. Um, they go and see a play one night that's been different things as well. Sometimes it's been a play about bats and sometimes it's been Zorro. So it's had different things in iterations, which it happens. Let's not focus on that too much. But so Thomas, Martha and Bruce are leaving this play one night, walking through the alley for some reason, instead of not coming out of the front door. I think in the movie, one of the movies, they framed it like Bruce got afraid of something that happened in the play, which was a bat. So they wanted to leave out the back and not make a big scene. So they leave out of the back, walk through this back alley and someone comes up to rob Thomas and Martha and in the process murders both Thomas and Martha and leaves Bruce there. Uh, so we see Bruce's darkest moment uh, being born out of trauma, out of uh, loss, out of seeing his parents being murdered in front of his face. Uh, so already just in an analysis, we have someone who's kind of born or involved in or kind of swallowed by this traumatic event of seeing his parents being murdered in front of his face. So you have to put that in perspective as well, where we already have someone who has a difficult psyche. He's going to have a difficult psyche because that's a, that's a traumatic experience that will shape you for the rest of your life. So that's where we see Bruce Wayne's character begin to change. That's the first change we see in him is his parents being murdered and him kind of coming uh, or being born into this dark situation that is uh, that has taken a hold of him and, and changed the rest of his life and changed the course of his life. So I want to say Bruce was again born out of that darkness of losing both of his parents, being afraid of the bat, uh, which was the very iteration he would use in the future to strike fear in others. I also want to lay out Gotham city as something that represents the darkness that perpetuates crime and corruption, birthing a vigilante from its own womb of darkness. The darkness of Gotham city overall births a cesspool of corruption that the city believes can only be solved by vengeance, bringing about what we will be the Batman later on. So we have multiple things working here. So we have Thomas and Martha Wayne being murdered uh, under the guise of Gotham City being uh, a city that would want to take away someone who's so influential, someone who does so much for the community, someone who has such a, a, a fingerprint on what the community could be in a positive light being taken away from a city that just doesn't want that or a city that uh, or a city that just can't come to grips with that for some reason. Gotham City is marred by corruption, murder. Uh, it's just it's just that city. It's a depiction of New York City. Think about that in the in the aspect of what we're talking about here. So Gotham City, again, births uh, crime, births uh, 
uh, corruption, which in turn births Batman. So Gotham City births Batman out of the death of Martha and Thomas Wayne. And we get to walk through and understand how Bruce Wayne becomes a part of what Gotham City has made him become. And at the same time, he's a part of Gotham City. That makes sense. I'll, I'll explain a little bit more in detail. Just a few seconds. Uh, so now that we have kind of a background of what has happened to Bruce Wayne, what has caused him to become the figure we would know as Batman. I want to talk about just a little bit. Is he a role model? Is he someone we should admire? Is he someone that we should idolize as one of our heroes? Or is he a cautionary tale of what can happen without the proper medical, psychiatric attention to you brought in trauma. In the most recent Batman movie, we see that stars Robert Pattinson. Greatly, greatly done. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that movie and where it will go. We see the traits of Batman, the character, or of Bruce, the character on full display. We see him marred in depression, trauma. He's full of anger. And vengeance. He calls himself vengeance because he's just so uh, he's so driven by the vengeance of wanting to, uh, you know, get revenge for the murder of his parents uh, and wants to right the wrong of his parents being murdered. Uh, so he's kind of he's he's taking that on full bore. And again, he even calls himself vengeance. Uh, so we see that on display for sure. Uh, my question to you is, do we sympathize with his decision to take what he deems as justice and act as law, judge and jury? Or do we as people glorify someone that prowls the streets dressed as a bat who physically assaults people out of his want to fix whatever traumatic issues of rage and uh, quest for murder? his parents and it's it's just uncontrolled rage which which side of that do you think we are on i think that's an interesting perspective of batman that we don't look at a lot so i, I would argue that he is deeply depressed and traumatized and full of rage and anger and vengeance um his heart's in the right place but again where do you fall on that on that side of the spectrum? Is it or is he is he a cautionary tale or is he a role model? It's one thing I wanted to point out with him. Would Bruce have turned to Batman if he was provided the proper resources to deal with a traumatic life changing experience, seeing his parents being murdered right in front of him? Huh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I would say no because again, I, I'm making the point. That Batman was born out of darkness. Batman is born out of this traumatic experience of seeing his parents being murdered. So the moment in time that Bruce saw his parents being murdered, at that time, a life was taken and at that time, a life was born. The moment he lost Martha and Thomas was the moment he became Batman. Not physically, but I'm talking about mentally here. So as soon as he lost his parents, that was the trigger that would change him into what we would become knowing as Batman. Should we as people embrace our own feelings, emotions, and seek revenge on those who wrong us? 
Or should we seek out the proper tools to help us deal with life's issues? Where do you fall on that? Do you try to get revenge on those who wrong you? Or when traumatic experiences happen, do you just bury them? Do you just not deal with them? Or do you seek the proper tools to help you deal with those mental issues? That's that's another interesting point. Um, when talking about this character, we we love and we idolize and we put Batman in such a legendary status. But Batman is severely scarred in his brain. He's severely, really traumatized. We idolize him for the hero that he is. But my question is, should we really or should we really take something from Batman that we should not go down the same path as he is? Just interesting. I, I just interesting. I'm just curious at what you think. I, I could I would argue that he's both. You know, I don't want to take the middle side of this, but I would argue that he's both. Again, I think his intentions are pure in wanting to purify Gotham and want to change Gotham. But I think he's also somewhat of a hypocrite because the same people, the same things that he's trying to stop is sort of the same vigilante justice that he himself is portraying at the same time. Um the information that he gathers, he's not giving it to the police. Uh, he has no faith in the police or in law enforcement system in Gotham City because of the corruption. Uh, so he figures he'd take the law into his own hands and do his own forms of of justice and take out his own, you know, take out his own Mars on what he thinks is justice. I want to talk about another thing here uh, before we get a little bit deeper into the analysis. Two sides of the same coin. So this character is a perfect give and take. The character of Bruce Wayne Batman is the perfect give and take to opposing sides of one psyche and one body. Batman's best story, i.e. the long Halloween or Hush, if you've ever seen those comics or seen those movies, provide a vessel for his character to show showcase both sides importance to the overall arc and story of Gotham City. With Batman being able to heroically tackle Detective Vigilante Justice in the Dark while presenting Bruce as a beacon of hope for Gotham City. And unfortunately a representation of the city having two sides. One being an image of a booming growing city while on the other hand being driven by corruption and immorality at its highest levels of government. That sounds, I mean that sounds like. I mean, that sounds like Gotham and Batman are a mirror image of each other. Um, Bruce, again, is presented as the legacy of Thomas and Martha Wayne, which is already cemented in one that is building up, helping Gotham City. But he's the same one that when the city turns dark, becomes a vigilante justice seeker uh, going out and dishing out his own punishment in the dark. Showing that when you turn off the lights, Gotham City is a little different. Just like when you do that with Bruce. When you turn out the lights, Bruce is a lot different than what you see uh, in the daylight. Again, Batman and Bruce kind of show this mirror image for Gotham City. Bruce Wayne is a characterization for Batman and vice versa. So I think they both see each other as sometimes a necessary nuisance. So... Batman sees Bruce Wayne as his necessary nuisance to be able to survive and be able to infiltrate the daily life that will help him 
when he when he has to do what he does. So he can't operate as Batman in the daylight because, you know, there's a there's a mental thing with that as well to where Batman only feels like he can operate in the dark or in the darkness is where he's most comfortable. Uh, you know, he has been in the movies in the daylight or something like that. And I'm sure it's happened in the comics, many of the comics. I'm not here to argue that. I'm here to say that Batman feels more comfortable in the darkness than he does in the daylight. So, again, we see Batman being birthed in that darkness, being comfortable in that darkness. And there's a great line in uh, The Dark Knight Rises where Bane talks to Batman and talks about, you know, you being born in the darkness or you you adopting the darkness. And that's the kind of the point I'm making where Bruce sees this traumatic experience of his parents dying. And he he births Batman out of that darkness. So he feels most comfortable in that darkness and he operates in that darkness. But he also has to have Bruce Wayne, the character, to be able to navigate things when he's not in the suit. So I think Batman sees Bruce as a necessary nuisance in that way to where, hey, I need this to help me do what I do when the lights go off. In the same way as Batman, I think um Bruce Wayne sees Batman as a necessary nuisance to handle and stop all the stuff that he sees going on in the daylight. It's almost like it's almost like there's two people there. And that's really kind of what I wanted to talk about. There's two people there. So Batman, you know, Batman does Bruce Wayne's bidding, if that makes sense. Think about that. Bruce understands what's going on in the daylight. He sees the corruption. He understands that. He knows the ins and outs of the who's who and who's making what happen and who's doing what. He goes and tells Batman. Batman puts on the mask and goes and handles it. That's almost how that system works, being that necessary nuisance for uh, uh, Bruce, uh, providing Batman as that necessary uh, nuisance. Who's really the mask? Who do you think is really the, if we're going to break this down into two alter egos, which ego is the alpha or who's in charge? I'll say a couple things and I'll give you my position. So uh, Batman is the mask that Bruce Wayne wears. Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman wears. Gotham City is the mask for the Dark Knight or Batman. Let's take, let's take those line by line. So Batman is the mask that Bruce Wayne wears. That one is kind of obvious. So Bruce Wayne is the real character or Bruce Wayne is the human depiction. And he puts on this mask to become this character or this superhero or this vigilante called Batman. That one's a little easy to understand. Now, here's the one. That I really want to focus on here. So Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman wears. Now we see this again. We see this a little more in the newest Batman movie that came out. 90% of what we see is Batman and probably about 10% of what we see is actually Bruce Wayne. Now I think this is the true depiction of the character myself. I love to hear your opinions and what you think, but I think that Batman is the overarching, you know, alpha here in this relationship between Bruce Wayne and Batman. I think Batman is truly who Bruce is. Uh, again, it's depression. It's it's fear. It's trauma. 
Uh, it's losing his parents. Um, it's being birthed in the darkness. I think that's who this person really is. So that's why I would argue that Batman is most comfortable in the dark. That's why I wanted to point back to that. Because I think that's who he is in reality. He may have been Bruce up until the point to where his parents were murdered. And I think from that point on, Batman was the overarching number one in this character dynamic. So in order to operate, Batman almost uses Bruce Wayne as his out or his go-to to be able to operate and do things in in normal life, you know, I don't think I don't think this character is normal. I think this character's true self is what we see in the suit, what we see in the darkness, what we see with the violence and the pain and the beatings and and the justice and the revenge and the vengeance. I think that's the true iteration of this character. It's Batman. So when Batman gets done doing his dirty work, I in a sense in this psyche and what I want to get to you. I think Batman puts on the mask of Bruce Wayne in order to operate, in order to see and appear to others that he's not Batman. Think about that for a second. So instead of Bruce putting on this suit and becoming Batman, I think this character is Batman that puts on the Bruce Wayne suit and becomes Bruce. The movies we see, like again, the last one I use as a as a pretty good probably depiction of what I think is the closest iteration of what I'm talking about here. The last movie with Robert Pattinson almost used Bruce Wayne as an ancillary character or as a supporting character. And that's what I think Bruce Wayne is in this dynamic. I think Bruce Wayne is the supporting character to Batman being the overarching character arc here and the main one we should focus on and the main one that's being presented to us for judgment. That's why I would argue that, you know, Batman is the prevailing prevailing thing here and Bruce is just the mask. Batman deteriorates Bruce Wayne. So what I mean by saying that is I think as we see this character continue and as we see the life of this character go on in the arcs, you know, even in the Christian Bale arc, I would say the first movie Batman begins, we see a lot of Bruce. Uh, and as it progresses into the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, we see less and less of Bruce and more and more of Batman, the character, because that's how I think Batman's overarching kind of character analysis comes to fruition in the comics. I truly do feel like Batman is the character that's the number one here. So that's why we get that's why we get less and less of Bruce and Bruce becomes less important in the story. Um, because I think Batman is the story. I don't think the story of what we're watching is Bruce Wayne transforming into Batman. Um, I think the true story of this character and what we see under this mask is Batman and how he got rid of Bruce Wayne as a crutch. I would say, again, I think Batman definitely sees Bruce Wayne as something that he doesn't like to do. He's always, he's sort of uncomfortable as Bruce Wayne. He's a lot more comfortable as Batman. A lot of that has to do with him, again, being in darkness, being covered, uh, not being able to see his facial expressions, what he's kind of trying to put over to you. All that gives him a mask, quote unquote, and a guise for 
you know, being comfortable in that true character. So I think, you know, I think that's who we're dealing with here. I think Batman is the true essential uh, character here in my brief analysis. Uh, I've always wanted to do this for a very long time, and I have a similar idea about Darth Vader that I'll try to do in next season. But I, I, I truly think and I truly believe that what we've come to love as comic book, you know, comic book likers and likers of superhero movies We've come to love the character of Batman because I think Batman represents humanity. Um, I think he represents uh, uh, things that we as normal people go through. That's why I think we've always had a soft place for Batman as a character because he is one of the only people that, you know, dress up as a hero that are normal. Uh, Tony Stark being that other one, which we've seen in the Marvel movies, how important Iron Man as a character has been in the last 15 years and how he's grown as well. And I think a lot of that is we like people who are like us, you know. So even though we like watching the Supermans and the Incredible Hulks and the Spider-Mans, I think we have a soft place for Batman uh, because we see Batman's wrongs more so than a lot of other characters. We see we see his faults. Uh, we see his shortcomings. We see them in ourselves and we see them in him. So that's why I think we have a special relationship with Batman as a people. Uh, I think, again, Batman is the overarching true character here. And I think Bruce Wayne is the mask that Batman wears. Um, I'd like to know your opinion. I'd like to know what you guys think. Uh, that's a lot of information there. I hope I didn't bore you guys too much. That's just really something I've always thought about doing. I always thought about talking about. I always thought about having a discussion about. So I'd love for you guys to give me your thoughts. Uh, email me at rubrichaospod at gmail.com. Uh, go to the Facebook page. Go to the Instagram page after you listen to this episode. Give me your opinion. Um, I'd love to hear what you think. You know, is Batman the true character here? Or is it Bruce Wayne and his trauma brings him to Batman? You know, there's a lot of ways you can go with it. But I think the way that I want to look at it is, again, Batman is the number one here. Bruce Wayne is the mask or the costume that Batman wears. Batman's more comfortable in the darkness. He's more comfortable in the trauma. He's more comfortable in that operating in that darkness and that guise of Gotham City, which has allowed him to become Batman. And I think that's I think that's what we should look at when we're watching movies, when we're paying attention to this character. Pay attention to the psyche of Batman. I think that's the the true thing here. Guys, I appreciate y'all listening to this episode this week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for supporting Cerebral Chaos. I'm always in awe and I'm always shocked and I'm always so thankful and blessed that every time you turn on this podcast and listen uh, and take your time out of your day, I truly, truly appreciate it. Can't thank you enough. Cerebral Chaos is also now being listened to in South Korea. So I think that puts us up to eight countries we're being listened to in now. It's all it's overwhelming, honestly. I don't have the proper words to say. I just want to thank each and every one of you and tell you how thankful I am that you allow me a piece of your time each and every week. And I'm going to continue to put on these podcasts and do different things and push myself and push you guys uh, each and every week. And I, I'm going to go as long as I can. So I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Like I said, we got one more episode in this season. 
We're going to do something a little different next week. I think it'll be fun and different. So you guys, please tune in for that. I don't want to give it away because I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise and a little something different than what we've done here. I haven't done anything like this before. So I really want you guys to tune in to the season finale of Cerebral Chaos next week. We're going to have a little bit of a spin on the season finale of uh, Cerebral Chaos Season 2. So tune in next Monday. Continue to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating, leave us a five-star review, share with your friends, family, loved ones. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you catch up on all the episodes. Go back and listen to a few. Make sure you send those questions in to the Cerebral Chaos pod as well. I love to get those questions out in the chaos mailbag that I'm going to do at the end of the season, which will be next week's episode. I'm going to try to get as many questions in as I can. So send those all to CerebralChaosPod at gmail.com. I want to get you featured. Chaos family, as always, thank you so much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed it. God bless you and God bless chaos. I'll see you next week.